The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Mr. Rogers tried to get us to be our best self. That's a phrase that, you know, we hear variations of it a lot now, right? Like, live your best life, be your best self. What we usually mean by that now is seek pathways to your own joy and the kind of self-celebration you want to experience, which I think is great. And I'm a firm believer in that. Self-love is really radical and important. But when we say that Mr. Rogers wanted people to be their best self, there's something about like just encouraging people to be good, Mm -hmm. right? To be good and to be kind to themselves and to other people that I actually think is a really rare message. I don't know who is telling children or anyone, be kind, you know, and in a way that is lived out in their example and not like moralizing or pedantic or condescending. Fred Rogers is everywhere right now. On t-shirts and calendars and coffee mugs, there's a movie and multiple books, articles in major magazines, and of course, this podcast. And it seems to me the reason we're seeing him everywhere is that we believe, collectively, there's something in what he taught us that we need right now. But are we understanding the right thing about him and his work? Or are we just in love with the niceness, the nostalgia, the feel-good? Not that those are bad things in and of themselves, but are they enough? Is it enough to fall in love with this idea that each of us is likable? 
is that even the right idea? Because I don't think that's all there was to his message. I'm Carvel Wallace, and this is Finding Fred, a podcast about Fred Rogers from iHeartMedia and Fatherly in partnership with Transmitter Media. Fred Rogers grew up during the Depression, through World War II and the Holocaust. He had seen how horrible people could be to one another, and his show spoke to that. It launched just months before Bobby Kennedy's assassination, and Fred made a PSA in response to it. And just a few weeks after he officially retired, he made another PSA, right after September 11th. We've talked about how Fred didn't want to do the announcement at all. In the face of such enormous violence and tragedy, he said he couldn't see how it would do any good. But he did it anyway. The writer and educator Eve Ewing, who you remember from episode two, was watching. There's this video that I've watched a lot where he addresses us as adults. You know, he's saying... Sometimes I see you all on the streets. I run into you, those of you who grew up in the neighborhood, you know. And when I see you, I tell you, just like I did when you were very small, that I'm, I'm just so proud of you, you mm. know, and I like you just the way you are. A lot of people who heard Fred's PSA took comfort in his message, look for the helpers. But Eve heard something else. He is talking to you as an individual, but now as an adult. And that's his opportunity to say something else or to, like, break this character. And the thing he chooses to say is, I still see you. I'm still proud of you. And see the child in you. And I think that when we talk about forgiving people and not believing in monsters, to me, that's what the, much of that amounts to, is knowing that everybody was somebody's child, you know, who has been hurt or who's been afraid or who's been trying their best to learn or who's been trying to be resilient in a difficult situation. We've talked about what it means to do what Fred did, listen carefully and speak to the children inside people, but what are we supposed to do when the child is afraid and acting out, throwing tantrums and destroying things? What are we supposed to do when the child inside other people makes them dangerous and destructive? And when that's making us feel afraid, like we want to lash out and hurt people who are hurting us? What are we supposed to do then? And who can show us how to act in a world like this one here today? My mom told me all the time and continues to tell me that, you know, your responsibility is to be a light bringer and your job is to be a door opener, not a gatekeeper. And all of us have that grandma, that neighbor, yeah. that uncle, that guy on the corner store. You know, I remember like riding the train with my mom and we didn't have a car and going down to the train station. And there was this South Asian man who ran the convenience store in mm -hmm. the train station. And, you know, whenever we went to get on the train, he would give me like a small caramel square, you know, those like little cubes, mm -hmm. just like a, a yeah. no brand, no name, like caramel cube. And those are the small moments as a kid that I just remember feeling like, oh, I'm somebody. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me that I was special today. And I think that message can come from a lot of messengers and definitely race and class and culture and religion and, re and geography and all those things can make it harder to hear. But it usually comes through loud and clear if the person really cares about you.
There are helpers everywhere. People who really see us and are kind to us. And there are also people who show us how to be helpers, who model it for us. My paternal grandfather, incidentally, is a white man who is a lay Presbyterian minister. He grew up on a really small farm in the Depression uh, in rural Illinois. And in so many ways, reminds me of Mr. Rogers. He, he has a uniform like Mr. Rogers. Uh, he just wears like short sleeve button down shirts uh, in the same way that Mr. Rogers always wears his cardigan. Uh-huh. But my grandfather has children and grandchildren that have lived just radically different lives than him, you know, in terms of like race, class, culture, interests, polit- just like everything that you can think of. And he just is such a deeply, deeply kind and caring person. My uncle married a, a really awesome woman who didn't grow up in the church or anything like that. And I remember she said when she met my grandfather, she was like, oh, this is the first real Christian I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first person that actually, they say they're a Christian and it means that they like do all the stuff that Jesus said to do, right? <laughs> and he's always just made me feel completely unconditionally loved and accepted. But I also see him treat other people that way in a way that makes it clear that it's not just about me being his grandchild, but what he believes about the world. And going to visit my grandparents and just meeting random people that were staying in their house temporarily because that's what they needed in the moment also made a big impression on me as a kid that I could come and meet somebody and just be told like, oh, you know, they they needed to stay here for, for this period of time because of X, Y, Z. And I think that that idea of an open home, quite literal in in both the case of my grandfather and the case of Mr. Rogers, right? Like, I think that's something also that's not incidental, that we're in Mr. Rogers' house. Mm-hmm. He's welcoming us into his house. Eve's grandfather showed her one way to be open and generous in a world that seems hell-bent on the opposite. I don't, I don't identify as a Christian, um, but I think that even though I don't identify that way or as an, a particularly religious person— I'm nevertheless deeply moved and influenced by a lot of Christian teachings. And one of the biblical lines that I think about a lot is um, the idea of the least of these. Mm. Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, but basically like that, which you do unto the least of these you do unto me. And the idea that in every situation as a society, in a family, in a community, your job is to find the people that are the most vulnerable and to make sure that they're protected. And when you do that, as a general rule of thumb, everything else will be good. Everything else will follow. That's really important to me. You know, after the election in 2016, my kids were 13 and 11. And they said, That's to, rough. they said to me, what it's happened? A rough, it's a rough night? time for an election. Like, what happened? Yeah. Like, explain mm-hmm. to me what that was. What is happening? And the only explanation that I could come up with was like, well, look, there are some people who believe that it is, it is your responsibility to care for others and that that is, and that is a primary thing and that you must do that. And then there are some people who think that that is, that it's your responsibility to care for your own and everyone else just needs to figure out for themselves. And that is ultimately what appears to have happened last night is that some people who believe that second thing appear to have gained more power. You know, I was like, your mother and I, we know what we believe. We believe that we must care for others. Like, that is what we fundamentally believe. We're never not going to believe that. That is just who we are. 
And you're going to have to figure out who you are in the world. You know, I've um, done a fair amount of teaching in in prisons, and the the prison that I teach in is a maximum security prison where people are there for very long term or life sentences. And one of the rules that we have is that we don't we don't ask people like what they did right. or why they're there. Right. I know just from history that like ninety nine percent, if not a hundred percent, of the people that I'm dealing with in that space are there because of the drug war, mm. are there because of poverty, are there because of unresolved trauma in their own lives. And the idea that like one out of those 100 might just actually be a psychopath mm. doesn't make it worth it for me to focus on that, to me, remote possibility when I could be focusing on like the human conversation that we're going to have. And so to me, that's that's the idea of of grace is just like assuming even if you can't quite work your way up to loving people, which is like the Jesus standard, and it's okay for us to not all be Jesus, at least understanding that people are human beings and not not monsters. You've heard me ask a lot of people how I like you just the way you are applies to those who hurt us, who hurt others, who are hurting whole groups of people and tearing apart families and communities and institutions that do good in the world. Would Fred Rogers like them just the way they are? Eve says that's the wrong question. We spend a lot of time asking the question, like, what about the bad people? Like, are we adequately punishing the bad people? Which usually is a distraction from making sure that the person who's actually been hurt is okay. And... We've set up a society where we tend to be really obsessed with punishing people rather than actually caring for the people that have been harmed. And that is a disregard, that shows a disregard for the idea of caring for the least of these. And if you believe that most of those bad things themselves come from undealt with harm, then the best thing that we can do is deal with the harm. In Mark fourteen seven. Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. The idea is that one day Jesus would leave his followers. Like all things, he was saying, his presence is impermanent. The only permanent thing is that people will still need help, and we must continue to help those who need it. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to be gone, so I'm going to need you to keep on crushing all the bad guys and making sure they learn their lessons. Like Eve said, his focus is not on fixing the bad ones, but on helping the needy ones. But that's hard sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I have to keep an eye on what I'm afraid of or what can hurt me. I have to make sure it's locked away or properly defended against. The things I'm afraid of are so loud and bright and distracting that it's hard to turn my attention away from them, even for a moment. Hard to give up on the idea that my job is to make sure the bad people suffer. It's hard to do the quieter and slower and maybe more vulnerable work of tending to the people who've been wounded. I often feel too scared and angry and hurt to do that. I feel like I have too many people to protect. 
And maybe that's why Fred Rogers was so focused on finding a way to talk about our feelings. Because maybe I can't really help people until I spend a lot of time sitting with my own hurt. More in a minute. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com one of the things that Fred taught is that in a child, every behavior is a way the child communicates an underlying need. If we were to apply that, not just to children, but to grown-ups, we may find a behavior objectionable, or we may find something that someone says objectionable. We may find another person's opinion objectionable. But if we look deeper and see what is the human need behind that, it doesn't mean we have to agree with their opinions and actions and words, but it does mean that we should and can have empathy and have a connection with the underlying human need. This is Jun Lei Lee. He is a senior lecturer in early childhood education at Harvard. He spent much of his professional career studying Fred's work. He was co-director of the Fred Rogers Center at St. Vincent's College. And one of the courses he teaches at Harvard is about simple interactions, a way of working with kids that's based in part on the work of Fred Rogers. Junlei also knows something about the dark side of human behavior. 
He was born in Shanghai at the tail end of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. In the late 60s and early 70s, the Chinese state sent millions of people who they decided were bad neighbors in their eyes into forced labor and exile and murdered countless more. Chen Lei's parents were sent to do manual work in rural China. He was often separated from one or both of them. This was not a culture of, I like you just the way you are. Chen Lei moved to America at 16 and discovered Mr. Rogers' neighborhood in college where he was studying child development. Fred's message of love and acceptance came as a revelation and became Chen Lei's model for how to communicate with both children and adults. He told me that Fred became a personal role model, too. And before we get into it, you should probably take a deep breath and relax, because Jen Lei has a very thoughtful, Fred Rogers-like demeanor. I initially came to make available educational opportunities for all children. But over time, I think it becomes more and more about how we can find people uh, all around the world who are doing that, or the kind of people that Fred would call heroes. Um, they're ordinary heroes. I came into the field and very much want to be a helper. And 20 years later, I realized that perhaps the best thing I could do is to find these helpers that are already out there and do my best to support them. Mm. Helping the helpers. Exactly, helping the helpers. I think the most important lesson that I took from Fred was this idea that if you looked carefully around you, no matter where you are, if you looked carefully, you will find that there are people that are helping one another the kindness and trust and respect that are exemplified by Fred's work is visible in real human communities. Not everyone talks just like Mr. Rogers or anything, <laughs> but the way they listen to children, the way they are able to pay attention to not just what the child acts out on the surface, but what do these behaviors tell us about the inner needs of the child or the young person? Mm. You know, I want to ask you a little bit about today's context, um, because I, when I look around, I see a lot of fear and anger and frustration and and a feeling that things are rapidly getting worse in a, in a myriad of ways and people feeling helpless and hopeless. I wonder if you can imagine what kind of show he would make today. Do you think he would continue along the same path or would he find that he would have to do something different? That's such a good question and I can't begin to imagine that I know what he would do, but I think the underlying topic uh, that Fred was so interested in perhaps centers around this idea of empathy. Fred's show is about 
confronting struggles and conflicts rather than evading them. People of different ideas, different values, trying to work out their differences and still uh, operate on an assumption of trust and respect for one another. And I think Fred's work very strongly conveyed that a community is a place where not everyone has to look the same, not everyone even have to have the same interests or choose to live the same way. Um, a community is simply a place where very diverse people get to live together, to listen to one another, and work through the differences that they have. I think in a fearful world, we have a tendency to accentuate every aspect that is different between person one and person two. And as much as Fred wanted to convey the message that all of us are different and unique and special, Fred's underlying message, though, is we are much more the same than we're different. And that paradoxically, by pointing out the uniqueness of each individual, we actually come to understand our common humanity. And that, to me, is perhaps the spiritual root of empathy, to be able to see the full humanity of the person that we might fear. Hmm. You know, that is such a, a weighty and heavy concept in this time. Um, we live in a world in which there are systemic abuses of people, and people feel the need to defend themselves, not just against individuals, but against systems. And... And I think a lot of times in those cases, people feel like there's there's a there's a threat to their survival that comes with that empathy. That in order to protect themselves and their families and who they love, they can't allow themselves that empathy. You know, if you are the, a targeted group in a genocide, is there use for you in finding empathy? for the person on the other side of the fence? Fred often talked about the lesson, the most important lesson that he took from his theology professor in Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, which he went to ask this professor one time what this particular hymn means, because the hymn said something about, you know, the the one thing, the one small thing that made evil fall. And so he went to ask the professor, you know, what is this one small thing? And the answer was, the one thing that evil cannot stand is forgiveness. And I think as I read about the era in which my parents and grandparents lived through, I think of a story there was an older gentleman that was very close to my family. He was 
from West Virginia and became a minister. And he and his wife and son were missionaries in China. And after the World War II broke out, they were taken by the Japanese and put inside a fairly brutal concentration camp. And one of the commanders of the camp were humane to the American prisoners. And the minister, his name is Joe, years later, he sat down in a Japanese house across the table from the commander of the concentration camp, and the two of them shared a tea, a cup of tea. And, and I just think of these things. They're almost illogical, but they are a reflection of the fundamental trust that human beings, as much as they're capable of evil and hatred, and, and as much as all of us have our fears and defensiveness, that in the end, I think, when Fred tells us that we are special, he meant that there's something deep down inside each of us, not just some of us, but each of us, without which humanity cannot survive. In his public service announcements uh, following September 11th, Mm. He invoked, I think, the Jewish saying that essentially means we are called to be repairers of creation. And we can understand that in more broadly outside the religious context is somehow that each of us are called to be repairers of creation. And what does repairing mean? Each of us is called to be a repairer of creation. But how do we do that? I think for everyone, though the question is the same, the answer can be different. Not all of us can sit down to tea with someone who represents the violent forces of the state. The man from West Virginia that Jun Lei talked about could, but many of us cannot, and maybe should not. And there's good reason for that. If someone breaks into your home and harms your family or loved ones in some violent way, and then I decide to sit down with them the next day for a pleasant tea under the guise of forgiveness and radical empathy, that may be a dramatic, heroic act for me, but it might be incredibly disrespectful and harmful to you. We're told all the time that the ultimate act of love is to forgive the people who have hurt you, and that anything less is a shortcoming, maybe an understandable one, but a shortcoming nonetheless, something to get over. But who benefits most from the quick and incessant march toward forgiveness? Isn't it often those who commit the heinous act to begin with? Don't they want, deeply want, for their victims to hug them and declare that it's all good? Wouldn't you? Have you ever harmed someone? Have you ever participated in or benefited from someone's harm? Wouldn't you want them to forgive you? 
The idea of forgiving one's enemies, loving one's enemies is a beautiful one and maybe even an ideal one, but it's also a complicated one. Sometimes an act of love and caring toward an oppressor is an act of harm toward the oppressed or toward ourselves. TV writer Megan Amram, a brilliant person in her own right, put this idea very succinctly on Twitter. Quote, you can't be nice to everyone because being nice to certain people is inherently cruel to others. Eve Ewing is right that after a point, it's not helpful to focus on what to do about the bad people. That's why I'm grateful that there are other ways to be repairers of creation. Eve teaches in an incarceration facility. I'm using my own holiday party in my tiny little apartment to raise money for victims of domestic violence, people who aren't able to celebrate with friends and family as maybe we are. There are acts of kindness towards children. The woman who raised me used to go to the library to read stories to foster kids. She also took in stray animals, and even once she took in a stray kid named Carvel. But more than that, there is the love and kindness and acceptance that we show towards those who are struggling and hurting in our families, in our communities. There is the willingness to listen, to hear, and perhaps most importantly, to grow and change in response to the pain of others. There is looking, really looking for what is special, what is childlike, maybe even what is godlike in each and every person that we encounter. That is what Fred was showing us with the neighborhood. He was showing us what it feels like to be treated as special and important and necessary. He was showing each of us has something inside of us that humanity needs. And for that reason alone, we are valuable. And our task is not only to help see and grow that valuable thing in each other, it is to see and grow it within ourselves. And even though the world isn't what it was when Fred created his TV neighborhood in 1968, even if our lives seem more complicated and difficult, there are people all around us who are actively helping to make things better. There are people alive right now who are showing us how to make it better too. A couple of weeks ago, we asked you to send in stories of people who've shown you how to be a helper. Here's one message we received from a listener named Juan. Aloha. I'm here in Hawaii, actually on my way to, to my school where I'm a teacher. I've been listening to your podcast, and it's just inspired me. And every time I listen to it, I think about one person who, when I was growing up back in New York, in a small suburb, a white neighborhood, I was kind of an outcast because my family was a Hispanic family, and we never had too many friends besides our family. But there was a lady down the block named Denise, and her and her son, Jesse, they would always, always just be there for us. My father was working two jobs. My mother never drove. So Denise was the person that really took me out of the community and took me out of the neighborhood. She was the first person to take me to the ocean, which now living in Hawaii means so much to me. She took me to museums. She let me write books at her house. And these kind of moments of joy are things that I really stick with me still. And even though, like, I'm not the best teacher by any means, I think that that's something that's fundamentally what I try and do daily. So I just want to give a big shout-out to Denise and to the whole family, Jesse, Charlie, Brianna. They were all there for me, but I definitely remember Denise just being there as a, as a rock 
in my life and just show me what it's like to be a good neighbor. Literally, a good neighbor. Right down the block. I hope you have a good one and mahalo. Bye. More of that next week in our final episode of Finding Fred. Finding Fred is produced by Transmitter Media. Our team is Dan O'Donnell, Jordan Bailey, and Maddie Foley. Our editor is Sarah Nix. The executive producer for Transmitter Media is Greta Cohn. Executive producers at Fatherly are Simon Isaacs and Andrew Berman. Thanks to the team at iHeartMedia. Our show is mixed by Rick Kwan, music by Blue Dot Sessions, and Allison Leighton Brown. If you like what you're hearing, rate the show, review the show, and tell a friend. I'm Carvel Wallace. Thank you for listening. dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.